0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in one who <clears throat> chooses us as his own through the choice of Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the second week of our sermon series called Throne. And the sermon series called Throne is a sermon series that is based on our readings which are all going to come this Easter season from the book of Revelation which is a book that I mentioned last time it's something that kind of engages our imaginations in a way that is different from the way that we engage our imagination say with the gospel reading or or some of the other readings that we have and so as we look into those readings uh, you, you kind of m- maybe wonder well why is this thing called throne well in pretty much every one of the readings except for one we are going to see a picture of the throne room of God and it's, it's from that throne room of God that the entire vision of the book of Revelation really has the center point of its action and What we're going to see today is actually kind of in context what has happened in the chapter just before this is that we have gotten a, pardon me, uh, we have gotten a really full picture of what that throne room looks like. And so there's this big picture of what this throne room looks like, and then all of a sudden we jump into chapter five, and what happens? Well, in the hand of the person that is sitting on the throne, John records, Then I saw in the right hand of the one who is seated on the throne a scroll written on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And all of us go, well, I know exactly what that means. <laughs> because Revelation is so easy to tell exactly what those things mean all of the time, right? Right? It, well, it's not, and so sometimes we need kind of some help, and, and so what is the deal with this scroll? Well, the first thing that we find out about the scroll is that it is written on both sides. It's written on the front, and it's written on the back, which probably tells you that there's a, a lot of stuff that's on the scroll. This isn't just, you know, kind of a short inter-office memo in heaven. This is a full-on document. And this full-on document has been sealed by seven seals. Now, uh, being sealed by seven seals actually tells us a, a few different things. First of all, when you seal a document, it does basically two things to that document. First of all, it hides the content of that document until the seal is broken. Obviously, right? It hides whatever is written on that scroll. So we don't know what's written on the scroll. We can maybe read a little bit around the scroll because it is written on the front and the back, but we have no context for what's actually in that scroll. The other thing that sealing the scroll does is that it assures that that scroll cannot be tampered with. It makes sure that there is nothing that can be taken and changed in that scroll. And it has seven of these seal things. Now, there's several different documents in the time of John that could have had multiple seals, and these multiple seals probably normally meant different things, and a lot of times these seals came from different people. And so it's a lot like if you go to Florida State and you need to have something done by the registrar and you have a hold on whatever it is that that is your record. And so then you have to go and you have to go and get so and so to sign off on whatever you need to do, and they sign off and and they break the seal. Or they put the seal on, depending on how you think of it. And they, they, have, they sign off on it. They say, okay, this is, this is all right. And then you go back, and, and then finally, after all of those things are cleared, you're able to do what you want to do. Well, it's kind of like that. Th- these are um, seals. They're, they're witnesses of people that are saying th- this is a true and full document. Now, um, uh, this has multiple seals. And, in fact, seven seals is kind of unprecedented. It's not heard of any place. No document got seven seals. But there were a few documents that got multiple seals, and they got multiple seals for a reason. And that reason was to slow the person down who was writing the document. And so, basically, what you would have to do is that you would be writing out your document, and then you would have to go and get it sealed and then they would fold that, and then you would write the next section, and then they would get another. Then you would go to somebody else, and you get another seal. The two documents, and this is important, the two documents that most likely got multiple seals during the time of John were either a last will and testament. So I, Jay Winters, bequeath all of my horrible CD collection to. Or divorce papers. And those two got multiple seals because they recognized back in the day that some people were going to write those documents and they were going to write them while they were hot-headed and they were not thinking, and so you needed to just stop and think about it for a moment. And so you have these two possibilities. You have a document that's written both sides You have seven seals, so multiple seals, and basically you have this picture then of this document that nobody knows what it is because they can't see into it because it's sealed. But they know probably that it's one of two things. It's either a last will and testament or it's divorce papers. And when you see this document show up in the throne room of God, you start to get a little bit concerned. Because it either means that God is willing you his kingdom, or it means that God is divorcing you, and you are going to hell. And so there's probably good reason that John is weeping bitterly in the next section. In the next section, it says, Then I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And no one in heaven on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And the worthiness of the person was an important thing for the legal documents at the time. You needed to have somebody who was worthy, somebody who was trustworthy, somebody who was going to tell you exactly what was in there, and somebody who then, because they opened the seals, had the responsibility of fulfilling whatever action was in that document. And so, if that document was a last will and testament, the person who was worthy to open the seals would have made made sure that whatever was written in that will happened. And if that document was a divorce document, the person would have made sure that that divorce was finalized. And so the question is, who's worthy enough? Who is trustworthy enough in order to open these seals? Who's trustworthy enough to make sure that whatever needs to happen, happens? And it's a pretty big job if you think about it. Because the two things that maybe need to happen are either that somebody is going to take a look at the scroll and they're going to say this is a last will and testament and God is giving away all of his stuff to whoever is listed in the document and you have to make sure that all of God's possessions, all of God's power, all of God's glory, all of God's honor, all of the belonging that belongs to God goes to somebody else. Or you have to read it and you have to make sure that whoever is listed in the divorce papers is divorced from God. Well, that's a pretty big job. Either way. It's a job that you can kind of get a sense of why nobody is really worthy to open the scrolls. Because it is such a big deal. And yet, we think that we're sort of supremely worthy for just about anything. In fact, uh, you know, it's interesting. The other readings that we have for today, there there are um, the psalm reading, which relates kind of to the song that they're singing in the throne room of the Lamb. But then you also have these readings about Peter and Paul, right? Right. And the reading about Paul is basically this reading that says that Paul was a murderer and that what Paul was doing when God called him into his service is that Paul was murdering people, or at least on the way to go and murder someone. So Paul is basically kind of a serial killer. And God takes him and he says, No, I am going to make you my chosen instrument in which to reach the Gentiles. And we're kind of like, oh, well, that makes total sense. That's who I would choose. I will choose a mass murderer as the person to reach out to the Gentiles. You go, oh, well, maybe, maybe not. And then we we think about Peter. Well, Well, Peter, interestingly enough, at the end of that story, we hear Jesus say to Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And you kind of wonder, well, why is Jesus saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Does he just not get it the first time what's going on here? But Peter gets it. Because the third time that Jesus asks him, Peter understands. Oh, yeah. There was a time in which I was asked a question three times. And every single time I denied Jesus. Jesus. And, oh, yeah, I remember that Jesus, when we were walking around with him and he was teaching us stuff, I remember Jesus saying, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. And so, essentially, Peter is a traitor. Peter is not worthy. He's not faithful. Paul is not worthy. He's not faithful. You have a murderer and a traitor. And yet, they are sort of the twin pillars of the early church. And you know how on earth does that happen? How on earth do we have an organization here in Tallahassee that continues to live on from the a story that starts off from a murderer and a traitor told everybody about a guy who was executed for a capital offense. And we have that because of what we see here in Revelation. Because what we see here in Revelation is that there was somebody who was worthy. And that somebody who is worthy is Jesus. We can tell that because he shows up and the things that they say about him are that he is the Lion of Judah, that he is the seed of David, that he comes from the Messianic line and that that lamb is worthy to break open the seals and that that lamb is worthy to administer whatever is found in that document. And what is found in that document is actually a story that we know very well that we are found unworthy. That our unworthiness should separate us from God because our unworthiness has everything to do with our sinfulness. And that if it was just up to us, if we didn't have Jesus in our lives, if we didn't have God in our lives, that document should be divorce papers. But because of the worthiness of the Lamb, that document is the last will and testament. That document gives us what God has to give to us. And that Jesus is the administrator of that will. That he is the one who says, here is the stuff that is promised to you. I am going to make sure that you get it. Through dying on a cross. Through being not only just the lion of Judah. Not only just the seed of David. But by being the slain Lamb of God. And so this week, may you live your week with hope. Because you have been chosen by God, not because of your own worthiness, but because of His. Amen.